CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live Bible answer program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a question on the Bible or the Christian faith, you can call us at 1 888 827 5276. That's 1 888 Ask CSN. Now let's get things started. Here's today's host. Aloha, everyone. This is Pastor Gerald Skinner. I'm filling in for Pastor Mike Kessler today as your host, and we're excited to uh, be with you today and looking forward to all your questions. We have the lines wide open. Give us a call at 1-888-ASK-CSN, 1-888-ASK-CSN. We have a very special guest with us today, and he's been a Tremendous, uh, he's done a tremendous work for the Lord Jesus, and uh, he's been a mentor to me uh, in the ministry. Heard him speak at so many conferences and inspired me and, and uh, taught us about a whole lot about faith and the Word of God. His name is Pastor Mike McIntosh. He pastored Horizon Christian Fellowship for 41 years. Now God has him on a, on a new task of uh, speaking and helping pastors and churches and, and to understand and to grow in God's Word and grow the congregations and also uh, just a wonderful evangelist. Mike, it is so great to be on with you. I'm looking forward to this program today. Hey, thank you, Daryl. Mike, it's good to hear your voice. Hey, you know, Mike, uh, as as I look to uh, the many years uh, of ministry, way back, I'll go way back to the 80s, uh, I, I always look forward to hearing you speak at the pastor's conferences at Twin Peaks. And I was just a young guy, 24 years old, uh, just in the ministry. And uh, I realized uh, you would take a step of faith as God was directing you. And then all of a sudden, there would be great, mighty things happening by the Lord Jesus. And, Mike, I think uh, you've been in ministry a long, long time. You've done so many things for the Lord, and I know you give him all the glory. And uh, what, what what advice would you give young pastors today as we look to the ministry? Well, I see. I know what you mean by to the ministry, but I try to, first of all, look to the Lord. If I get distracted by ministry, I don't use function well, but if I'm just on him, I've been given opportunities that I think gives other guys, but for some reason they don't build the door or afraid to go. And I've been able to go places and, and do things that were kind of phenomenal. But uh, uh, to that, keeping you on the board, it's Prayer, reading the Bible, taking notes when you uh, I love to know. But I've learned to see in an open door, finding it then in Scripture, and thirdly, to pray about it. God just gives you the strength to go and take from uh, going in the helping negotiate, get people uh, released from Paris to going to Russia with getting uh, American Christian and focused on is what is the ministry. Some people get the first and they get frustrated. You know, Mike, uh, as I've, I've uh, watched, you, watched the Lord use your life tremendously throughout these years, uh, we're super blessed uh, with, a, with a great mentor, Pastor Chuck Smith. And uh, I had the opportunity to work for Pastor Raul Reese for several years, then Pastor Bill Stonebreaker, and now uh, on my own uh, as a senior pastor of Calvary Chapel, Pearl Harbor. 
And you guys and, and many others I could name uh, were such a blessing to us younger guys who were just growing in ministry and being blessed. So, hey, you know, I, I just personally want to tell you right now, uh, thank you very much for all that you've done uh, for us and uh, looking forward to what you have in store for us in the future as you continue to work and do uh, do a, a wonderful testimony for the Lord Jesus. Hey, why don't we go to the phones right now, Mike? We do have a question from uh, John. He's from Vallejo, California. And uh, John, what is your question today uh, for uh, Pastor Mike and myself? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I know that uh, there's a lot of verses in the Bible that say that uh, all things are possible with God, but with man, it's impossible. But my question is about the rapture. And John John Darby, back in 19, uh, 1832, he's the first one that ever wrote about uh, the rapture doctrine. So I just wanted to know what your guys' opinion was on John Darby writing this uh, rapture doctrine in 1832. Mike, go right ahead. All right. Well, John Darby lived a long life, 82 when he died. He was born in London. Uh, Darby actually translated the and uh, all languages. He's, he's a great linguist, I think. He's this book for that. I've never read his article that you're talking about, pre-trib rapture, but I'm aware. And so um, he believed that there was a time coming that the church would be removed before the Great Tribulation. And when it was removed, then the Lord would deal with a God-rejecting world. And the Bible says that judgment must first begin in the house of the Lord. It does not mean as a Christian we're going to escape some judgment for our sins, and especially in general the church, because we have sinned against the Lord. But he will deal with us before he deals with the God-rejecting world. But he removes his children from the great tribulation. And there are three choices that basically have been given over the centuries, and, and that is the pre tribulation that the church is raptured, uh, and that comes from the Latin Vulgate, um, the, the term is translated rapture, but uh, the church is taken before the tribulation, and the other choice, and that's what I believe that John Nelson Darby believed, he um, believed that we would be taken out before the uh, tribulation, another group believes that we'll be taken out halfway through the tribulation, or three and a half years or 42 months. And then there's the third position, the post-tribulation. You'd, we'd all go through the great day of wrath uh, and then be removed. However, the key to me is the wrath of God. The wrath of God went upon the Lord Jesus Christ for all of my wickedness and all my meanness and all the horrible things that went on in my life uncontrolled before I accepted Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. And he took the wrath for me. The Bible says that God was in Christ Jesus on the cross, redeeming the world back to himself. So I personally have always seen God in my own life. I've, I've seen him uh, through the scriptures as a loving God. And his wrath isn't against his children. He will judge his children just like I'll judge my six children 
and their 31 grandchildren that they gave me, I would have uh, no problem saying you've erred. But as far as being wrathful, uh, God is a God of love. And I think the position Darby takes, not only how he interpreted the scriptures and looked at them, was simply this. It was the fact that God was God of love and that to take the believers out with the rapture of the church prior to the judgment would be more scriptural than making the church go through the great tribulation or part of it. You know, uh, John, we also look to the scriptures uh, as we, uh, as Mike just shared with us about the love of God, which is tremendous for all of us, that Jesus took his wrath upon himself, our wrath upon himself for, for our sins and has given us eternal life. But, you know, when you look at the rapture as we study it and see what uh, why it's going to take place before the tribulation, uh, it actually, the rapture is mentioned, first of all, in the book of Genesis, where Enoch was raptured. This is what we call the law of first mention. So we find that all the way back to Genesis, the rapture was mentioned. Now, Darby highlighted all these things in understanding the rapture of the church as he studied the scriptures. He was a student of the word of God. It says, by faith, in Hebrews uh, 11.5, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And, and we please God when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. As we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we trust in his atonement for our sins, and we're born-again Christians. We please God. And uh, and what happens is that the law first mentioned establishes the fact that the rapture will take place before the wrath of God is poured out. We know that if we continue reading in Genesis, the next chapter talks about the wrath of God during Noah's day in the great judgment of the flood. We also know that the rapture will take place before the tribulation because of the imminent return of, of Christ, meaning he can come at any moment, any moment. It's That's how he says, no man knows the day or the hour. And the safest preaching of the rapture is before the tribulation period. We also know that uh, when it comes to the second return of Christ, you will, if, if anybody's here, you know, well, there will be people here, but if they study the scriptures, they'll know to the very day when the Lord Jesus is coming and they it will deny the rapture of the church uh, because it denies the doctrine of the imminent return, which means, what do I mean by this? At the abomination, a desolation takes place. We're told in Revelation there'll be exactly 1260 days to the return of the Lord Jesus. Uh, so it denies the the imminent return of Christ doctrine. And plus, we have the law first mentioned. Of course, Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he was he was all about the rapture of the church. And, of course, our Lord Jesus in John 14, 1 and 3, let not your heart be troubled, and so forth. He says he's going to come again and receive us unto himself. And I think one of the issues that was going on in the church throughout history was they thought God was done with Israel. We've discovered nowadays through the scriptures, our knowledge has increased. God is not done with Israel. There's a 70, 70th week that has to be uh, uh, taken care of, that 70th week of Daniel, the seven-year period, which is Revelation chapter 6 through 19, and the church is removed. We find the church in Revelation 4 and 5 there in heaven. So it's it's exciting as we study the book of Revelation, we receive the word of God. So, John, I hope we answered your question there. Um, yeah, pretty much, but I was thinking uh we all know that all the uh, apostles have died horrible deaths, so 
I was just wondering, you know, why Jesus and God didn't take the apostles with them in a rapture situation instead of having them suffer such horrible deaths. Mike, you uh, want to respond? I, yes, yeah. I'd like to. That, that's a really good question. And um, because of time, it would have been better to have that as the question. And here's why. Everyone is looking for a comfortable life. And the Lord knows that we shall suffer tribulation. Those that will seek righteousness are going to go through tribulation. And by allowing the Lord to suffer, he showed us that it's not a religion. It's a personal relationship for me to give my heart to him and say that I am going to trust you for eternity, not just for feeling good. So I give my heart to Jesus, and now I say, well, hold it. This is too difficult to be a, a Christian. I, I still have problems. I thought I, I'm, I'm glad I don't drink anymore. I'm glad I don't smoke pot anymore. But I still have pressures, and how do I make it? And to look in the Bible and see the price that people paid, for instance, the 11th chapter of Hebrews, they all suffered. All those great people that are mentioned in there all suffered. I can look to them, and you can look to them, and Daryl can look to them, and we now see that we can make it through anything with the Lord. And I think that is the reason that he did not take them out and not through the suffering like Paul the Apostle went through. Uh, so many letters were written in prison. He had been uh, 39 lashes three times, several shipwrecks. He had been stoned and left for dead put in a basket and laid over a, a, a city wall. Um, and he had nothing but trouble, but he never gave up. And for a person like me, who came from a really messed up childhood, I, I learned nothing but to give up. And I would just run away from whatever the problems were and the pain. Having these men and women of the Bible as my role models, I realized I can stand up, not give up. And I can stand up for righteousness, and I can defend those that are too weak to speak out for themselves. To me, that's why I think he did not remove them, is so that we would see we're going to have rough times. And if they can make it, you and I can make it. Amen. Uh, John, hopefully that helps you out, my friend. And uh, what we'll do is we're going to send you some uh, videos. Uh, and we'll do this with everybody that calls in today, of course. And that is uh, videos on God. A video is called uh, God of Wonders. The other one is called Evolution versus God. Also, 101 Prophecies Pamphlet, uh, Bible Prophecies Pamphlet. And then we also have Mike Kessler's book, It's Time to Grow. And we know that you can be super blessed with those items. We always encourage people to invite family and friends over, watch those videos, and share your faith with them. And hopefully they'll come to Christ for salvation. It's a great thing. So, John, thank you once again for calling. And uh, we look forward to going to Ed in Portland, Oregon. Ed, how you doing? I'm doing fine, sir. I got a quick question for you. All right. Okay, if I understand my Bible correctly, um, Paul wrote Titus somewhere between 63 and 65 A.D. In uh, Titus 1 verse 4, Paul describes Titus as a true son in our common faith. In uh, 2 Timothy, Paul's last book, written about three years later, in verse 10, Paul laments to Timothy, all those who have turned away from me 
including Titus, is curious as to what happened. And if I understand, in fact, Titus did desert him, makes me wonder why Paul's letter to Titus was included in the Bible. Mike, your thoughts? Another good question. Thank you, Ed. And I was born and raised my first 21 years in Portland, Oregon. And uh, I like Titus, and I think this is a wonderful question because it shows us to be men and women of love. And uh, when you hear about Titus in the Bible, in the New Testament, you know that, but he's part of something. He's part of what is called the pastoral epistles. And that is uh, three books, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. And those three books are written in a way that when I moved to San Diego after being with Pastor Chuck Smith for five years and planted a church, I read everything I could find on the pastoral epistles, and that included Titus. And I learned from that is that what he had to teach Titus was what I needed to learn and what millions of other leaders would have to learn. One of the things on the other side of that coin that I learned is that sometimes people that you heavily rely on, you love, you care for, you trust, that have leadership skills, they go astray. And even though he went astray, the words that were written in his letter from Paul were still godly words and words of truth. And it shows that uh, there might have been some redemption in that relationship. We know in the book of Acts that there was a separation between Paul and Barnabas and uh, John Mark, and they all got back together with Mark. Paul said, he's, he's, as he said that he had left him, he says he is good for the ministry and profitable. And so I think that what Paul wrote was profitable. Their friendship, their relationship, whatever happened there, like many of our friends and relationships that we're at error with and not necessarily their problem but ours, uh, does not mean there wasn't good in it. But why it's not written in the scriptures of why he departed from him, I just don't know. Um, you know, one thing I've noticed as we, what was the was scripture in Second Timothy, my friend, that you quoted? What was it? John? I'm sorry, I, I guess it yeah. says Demas has. Uh, was it four ten? Yeah, four ten. Okay, here's the deal. It says uh, for it says verse nine says, "Be diligent to come to me quickly, uh, for Demas has forsaken me." having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, Christians, Chris, 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 for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. The only one that was a problem was Demas. He has forsaken. Uh, Titus was sent to Dalmatia, which is modern-day Yugoslavia. So Paul sent him away, and he was talking about the others he sent away to do a work for the Lord. So this is what we find in, in this remarks. But as you read it, you could kind of put it all together and think that possibly there was an issue. But like Mike's uh, shared with us, there's times in ministry where you have uh, faithful brothers and they're serving with you and then things happen. The next thing, you know, uh, uh, they've either gone back to the world or they could, uh, uh, you know, want to take over a ministry, something like that. Things happen. It's human nature. It's human sin. 
and we just have to deal with it. Whenever I come across situations like that, I've I've learned that the Lord is also testing me on how am I going to handle it? What is the character of Christ in me? And how can I deal with this situation in the character of Christ? Uh, uh, There's nothing, uh, uh, I think, uh, was it yourself or someone else? Uh, I think it was you. You said all things are possible in, in God. And that's so true. It's such a blessing to know that God will take care of us no matter what. He is faithful. Uh, in fact, I love the passage that says in Timothy where it says, uh, when we're faithless, he is faithful. Uh, just don't deny him. That's the number one thing. So uh, hopefully that helps you out. Uh, I think I called you, John. I apologize. Ed, I appreciate that. And uh, anything else? No, that's good. Um, I forget which one of you guys are uh, from Portland. Um, oh, that was Mike. It's be- Yeah, it's become Tent City. You don't want to go back. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I- was up there not too long ago, and I saw the streets are just full with kids on heroin, and I mean, just sick. Uh, I, I went to Madison High School, and mm-hmm. uh, I was an athlete, so I never got into any of the bad stuff like that. And it just broke my heart to uh, talk to these kids from all over America. And I sat on a street corner down on Broadway one one afternoon with a group of six, and I asked them, why are you guys running away from home and coming here and getting stoned like this? And they said, because they won't arrest us here. I said, oh, my goodness. You know, you lower the law, Sanders, and you're destroying lives, really. And Port, I have I have family up there today and some in school. And uh, it's sad to see it's such a beautiful city. And if you stay on the line, we'll send you those special gifts, and we'll get them out to you right away. And let's go to Dolly in Palmdale, California. Dolly, how you doing? Hi, how are you? Hey, I tell you, we're out here in this beautiful California where um, we get summer, we get tornadoes, little mini tornadoes, we're <laughs> snow. I love it. There you go. A, Very good. How can we help you out, Dolly? Question. I have a question I've been wanting to ask for a long time. Rapture. Um, I'm glad to hear the gentleman before me had a rapture question. Rapture, who sees that? Is it all the Christians? Or is it everyone? Who gets to see that rapture? <laughs> Mike, you want to talk about the vision of the rapture? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm going to say, I've never said this before, but that's a cute question, what you said. Who gets to see it? Well, um, first of all, uh, nobody's going to see it. It's going to happen in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. And that word twinkling, Dr. Uh, Billy Graham's associate, uh, John Wesley White, Dr. John Wesley White, he's an Oxford scholar with two PhDs, a brilliant man. He studied the word twinkle, and he wondered how quickly will we be changed when we're changed in the twinkling of an eye. And he makes the point, it's not a blink of an eye. And if you just blink your eyes, everybody on the radio right now, you'll see that's pretty fast. But it's faster than the blink of the eye when it happens. It, it best he could come to in all of his linguistic studies is one one trillionth of a second. Not one second, but one one trillionth of a second. Now, there is a time in Revelation 1-7 uh, when Jesus appears on the Isle of Patmos to John. Uh, he said, Behold, he comes with the clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also that pierced him, and the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. So um, there will be a time when they all see Jesus coming back probably the second coming he's, he's clarifying, but in the rapture, uh, we are taken up in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, 
and we are gone to be with him forever and to get our new bodies, and then he will bring the judgment. So as far as anybody's seeing it, I think it's going to be like a great disappearance from all over the world at the same exact moment. People will see that event. What they will see is at his return, they will see us coming back with him, and they will see the judgment that's going to come upon the earth, the tribulation period. They will see that. Everybody on every corner of the earth will see the judgment, but they will not see the rapture. There will be some story given by the media of what happened to a half a billion or a billion people on the planet all of a sudden. I mean, planes will be crashing and trains will be crashing. and People will just wonder, what in the world happened? Where did they all go? But we won't see it happen. It will just happen. Yeah, I'll give another little insight. I thought that was really cool about the twinkling of an eye. Uh, the word right before it, it says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. And then it says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised to incorruptible and shall be changed. The word moment there, right before the twinkling part, uh, which is an amazing study. I tried to study a twinkle of an eye. Is is the mm-hmm. it's a tomo for the word moment, and it means an atom of time also. So, uh, and all these people are going to be missing. Now, will all of our clothes be left behind? I don't really know, but <laughs> it'd be a great time for the goodwill or something like that. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, of course, there won't be, maybe not the goodwill will be around. But anyway, we'll see what happens. But the Lord is going to take us up in that twinkling of an eye in a moment of time, and the world will be in amazement. I'm sure I've been told by New Agers that they, they believe there's going to be a coming, a purging of planet Earth. And we are the old Victorian, uh, uh, not willing to change kind of people. And thus we're going to be removed because they need to go into whatever age they want to call it, the age of Aquarius, whatever. Uh, and we'll, it'll be, and then of course this Antichrist will rise up as a miracle worker. And they think that he's the new, uh, you can call him Maitreya, Avatar, Christ, uh, Messiah. He'll have all kinds of names, I'm sure, to represent himself and to deceive the world. So these times are coming. And uh, the Lord is prophesying. His prophecies are always, always true. So uh, now, uh, uh, does that help you out, Dolly? Um, yeah, that answered my question. I just wanted to know, so I won't meditate on that so much because I won't see it. <laughs> well, stay on the line. We'll get you those. We're going to get you those gifts out, and uh, you enjoy. And it's time for a break, folks. We're going to take a break at this time. On to every man and answer. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a healthcare plan that isn't affordable or you simply just don't like how it works, well, right now, during open enrollment is a perfect time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the industry. That's double. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for 30 years. It's shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. And here's why now is the perfect time to make the switch. If you join MediShare Complete by January 1st, they will waive your new member fees and you'll save an additional 10% off your first year. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month for all of next year. But again, it's a limited time offer. 
So yeah, you're not stuck. You've got a great option. Call now, 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. If you enjoy the programs on CSN and have been blessed by them, then please consider giving a year-end donation. Your support helps CSN stay on the air and bring you Bible teaching that strengthens your walk with Christ and gives you the faith to do all that God has called for us in His Word. To make a donation, log on to csnradio.com slash donate or call 1-800-357-4226. We want to thank you in advance for your prayers and for your support. All donations are tax deductible. CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network, is broadcast on nearly 400 stations across the nation. Including over 20 stations in Washington alone, you can listen in Asotin, Enumclaw, Mount Vernon, Moses Lake, Port Angeles, and many more stations throughout Washington and the nation. For the station nearest you, log on to csnradio.com. CSN International, where God's Word is heard. This is uh, Pastor Gerald Skinner. I'm filling in for Pastor Mike Kessler. And on with me today is Pastor Mike McIntosh, 41 years pastor of Horizon Christian Fellowship, now speaking across the world, helping churches and various conferences, and he's written several books. It's a great blessing to be on with Mike. And uh, let's go right to the phones right now. We're going to talk to Della in Tacoma, Washington. Della, how you doing? Greetings, pastors. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, what can we help you with? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I do have a question. It is, it's getting cold here, and we finally got some rain, which we needed. Anyway, my but my question has to do with the end times, as we're all kind of discussing. In Ezekiel 38, and I understand the Ezekiel 38, 39 order is separate from the tribulation. So my question is, in Ezekiel 38, uh, 18, this is what will happen in that day when God attacks the land of Israel. My hot anger will be aroused, declares the Sovereign Lord. From what I understand, that's the Ezekiel 33 and more, and God will destroy. But why, my question is why, in Revelation 20, 7 and 8, when uh, it says Satan's doom, when the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. I thought they were gone. That's a great question. I'm going to hand it over to Mike. Mike, go right ahead. Well, in context, I always like to take the context, Della, because uh, if we have a context, uh, just a text without a context, we have a pretext. And the context of Ezekiel 38 and 39 are Old Testament. It's the time of Ezekiel. He's given a vision. He's sharing this. And his first audience is basically the Jewish people. He's a prophet to Israel. Revelation is uh, a world view now, New Testament, into the age. So the timing is different. The thing about Gog and Magog are they are names, and Gog is supposedly a leader, and Magog is a region. 
And the region is still there, even though the uh, government or the politic and the army that was in Magog, led by this leader, who the name comes as a, as a leader, Gog, that spirit is still there. And we're seeing it right now, I believe, in Ukraine with the war that Russia has started and seem to be having a big problem to get out of. Uh, there is a leader, and he won't be alive very much longer. They're saying that Mr. Putin now has lost 18 pounds, 18 pounds in the last couple of months. He's shaking like he has Parkinson's. Uh, maybe somebody's poisoned him. They're not saying what has happened to him. But he is a gog, and the area that most have always looked at would be north of uh, Jerusalem. And of course, north of Jerusalem is Russia. And there's Meshach. And uh, that is an area that the Muscovies, which is now called Moscow, first habitated. And so we've all looked at that. But if you look a little closer, you'll find that also the area of Turkey could be considered Magog. So the regions are there. The spirit of the, the leader, a Gog, that is still there. When Mr. Putin dies, there'll be another Gog. There'll still be the area of Magog, and God is going to finish with that whole dark spirit. Now, it is interesting, if you were to look on a map, and you take Ezekiel 38, and it says, I'll draw you out of the north. And yes, north of Jerusalem is Moscow, but it's to the right of directly north. If you draw the line from Kiev to Jerusalem or to come to Jerusalem, you'll have it directly. By going to Kiev, it dawned on me that they shaved roughly five to 600 miles off of going to Jerusalem by going at an angle and getting directly above it. So that spirit of Gog is there. The land of Gog is still there. At the end of the world, now notice you read, um, after a thousand years, Satan's going to be released. This is forced righteousness in a way. When you think for a thousand years, Jesus is here. His saints are here. There's no sin going on in the world. But to give the people an opportunity that were born during that period, Isaiah said a baby will live to be a hundred. So for those people that have never been tempted, it wouldn't be fair to them. And so the Lord lets this unrighteous Satan come out of the pit and to tempt these people. And it's hard to believe that they will fall by the wayside, many of them. And so the judgment will come in anything to do with the old style on planet Earth where man's flesh ruled will be totally annihilated. Uh, Della, does that help you out? Oh, my gosh, that was an awesome answer. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, just, so, yeah, because it's kind of like the spirit of, you know, and everything. So, no, that was awesome. Thank super. you so much. Yeah, two different events, Ezekiel thirty-eight, thirty-nine. the war could happen now. Uh, yes. It's, it's uh, lining itself up right now. With Iran as uh, Russia, with Iran along with Turkey, 
and along with the Islamic nations, probably mostly Shiite, they're going to invade. Saudi Arabia is going to sit on the sidelines and watch. Uh, that's what it says in Ezekiel. And they're going to come against Israel, and God is going to supernaturally intervene. And Israel will recognize that Jehovah God is alive and well for them, and he's going to fight yeah. for them. And this is the remnant that's going to be saved. And as Mike shared the, just wonderfully about the last, the other Gog and Magog Revelation 20s at the end of the thousand year reign of Christ. Stay on the line, Della. We're going to get you those gifts. Uh, folks, whenever you call, we, we love you. Stay on the line. We're going to send you out a DVD called God of Wonders, another one called Evolution versus God. Also, Mike's book, uh, It's Time to Grow. Uh, Pastor Mike's book, It's Time to Grow, and the 101 Bible Prophecies pamphlet, and you'll be super blessed. So hang on, Della. And now let's go to Spencer in Washington. Spencer, how you doing? I'm doing great. I just Wonderful. want to say, uh, Pastor uh, Daryl, I stumbled upon you a few years back in my Christian walk as I was roofing and uh, just really got into a lot of your sermons, especially Proverbs. Uh, and it was mm. such a blessing to me. I just wanted to say that real quick. And um, well, Thank you, bro. All glory goes to the Lord. Amen. But uh, thank you. Amen. It's his word. I love it. Hey, Spence, what do you, what do you got for us today? So, um, so, so in the body of Christ, I, I guess the question is, in the body of Christ, when you try and encourage, and I know you guys as, as shepherds, uh, you've probably encountered this, when you try and encourage people in the body of Christ to evangelize, and they come to you basically after you try so many times, and um, you don't press them in a, a way that's forceful, but you kind of get one-on-one uh, conversations with them and, and try and figure out, you know, I know it's nervousness or this or that, but we've got to step out on faith. And then they kind of come with the the uh, uh, answer of, we're not all called to evangelize. Um, can you speak on that? Mike, go right ahead. You're the expert at this. Go ahead. Uh, expert. Thank you. Um, <laughs> You've done a lot of outreaches. Spencer, I'm glad you brought this up because uh, next year I'm doing an outreach to America called Wake Up America 2023. And um, I have a real burden that the church is asleep in general. And this is one of the reasons it is. It's just what you bring up. People say, well, we're not all called to evangelize. That's not true. We're not all called with the gift of evangelism, but to evangelize is to be a witness of a dogma or a doctrine. And so we evangelize with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we spread that out. We pr- proclaim it. We publish it. We do whatever we can to get the gospel out. That's uh, us sharing our story with someone is evangelism. In uh, Revelation chapter 12, it says that the saints overcome the devil by three things. And so if you're listening right now and you've got issues in the devil's house, there's three ways we overcome them. One, and the most important, is the blood of the lamb. Whenever we talk about the blood of the lamb and Jesus shed his blood on the cross, the devil gets out of the neighborhood. Secondly, the word of their testimony. Now, I'm going to share to you, and I'm going to share with somebody, and I'm going to say to them what I was like before I met Jesus and how he changed it and brought my family back together after three years of divorce and now has just blessed us beyond anything we could imagine. And then the third thing is now that we love not our life unto death. Now, this means we're willing to stand up for righteousness. I learned if I don't stand for righteousness, I'll fall for everything. 
And so evangelism isn't just me proclaiming. We all are called to be a witness. You say, but you're witnessing. Yes, I am witnessing by being evangelistic, but I am a witness by the fact of who I am in Jesus Christ. And we should all be a witness at work, on the job, in the military, in prison, out of prison, free, on the road, in our RVs, that people can see by our language and how we talk to people, how we handle people, how we handle ourselves. We are a witness evangelizing. I sat down and talked to a man that walked up where I was yesterday in his 88 years old, married for 50 years. His wife had gone to heaven. He had three children and 10 grandchildren. I learned so much about him and just listening to it. See, that's that's who we are. We're, we're listeners and livers of the gospel as much as we are the talkers of the gospel. And people ought to realize we're being watched. And I asked that man, do you know how you go to heaven? And he tried to tell me something religious. And I said, no, Jesus just said, if you simply believe, Paul said, if you just simply believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Now, that's an evangelistic message. But I think it was my love for 30 minutes talking to that 88-year-old man that witnessed to him more than that time in that one moment that I gave him the gospel. I gave him how to get to heaven. And these people are wrong to say that we are not all called to evangelize. Our lifestyle is the greatest witness we have. We are all called to be a witness for Jesus Christ. You know, uh, my friend, I think one thing that's so vitally important is to share with people just that continued uh, heart of uh, wanting to have other people have what you have. It's, it's like that uh, you you giving away a Christmas present, right? And you, you're looking for that joy to see, the, see it in their face. And it's the same thing when you give them Jesus. And as everybody goes to work tomorrow or they're finishing work today, whatever the case is, is we're kind of late in the time zone here in Hawaii. But, uh, you know, you go to work with that joy of the Lord. You go to work with that love of Jesus. You go to that work with a heart of integrity. And those things uh, become powerful tools which makes it very simple to witness, as Mikey shared. And taking the time, as the Spirit of God touches your heart, to talk to that person on the street or 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 that person that's, uh, you know, a, a family member that might be hurting, uh, uh, the person across the world getting involved in missions. But what we have to do, the Bible says we're to stir up one another to good works and love. So we have to, the word yeah. stir means stoke a fire in Timothy there. And, and that's what we do. We have to keep stoking everybody up, stirring them up and getting them going for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, it's, it's not a, an easy task because so many times we just like to become complacent and lazy and, and we get self-centered, you know. And so we have to just keep stoking people up and encouraging them and, and, uh, uh, and and just ourselves being on fire. It was C.H. Spurgeon that said, if you're on fire, people will come to watch you burn. It's a great statement. I love it. And, uh, and that's what happens. And also you're there to, to witness to them, to share with them. But what what you do is you keep encouraging people. If, if you're in your church, I would encourage you, if you have a calling for this, maybe start an evangelism class. And that way people with knowledge, they, they grow, they learn. 
And then all of a sudden you take them out and you begin evangelizing. Could be handing out tracts, just sharing the faith, you know, and sharing testimonies. And it's just ministering to people simply. And let God do the work because he's the one that saves anyway. You may be planting the seed, watering the seed, or harvesting the seed. And that's what happens. So it's a, it's a wonderful question, Spencer. We appreciate it. Uh, anything else you have for us? Uh, yeah, no, that was, that was perfect. You guys, thank you so much. I forgot. And it's, uh, I totally agree. It's so true. Everything you guys are saying. Um, I forgot the, uh, it was the wife of, um, a man, I've forgotten the years, but it was in Britain, and they called him General. He wasn't a general, but they called him General because he, you know, uh, made a speech about taking the war on sin, and his wife said something about the church and how so many people nowadays have made it. You know, she likened it to the military, how we're supposed to be militant for, for our faith, good soldiers of Christ, and the church we've used as a barracks, and we've stayed in our barracks and become luxurious and forgot the mission. And uh, uh, yeah, and for all of us that, that understand the calling, the, the commission, the great commission the Lord has given us, we have to stoke up others to do this work. And uh, it's uh, all of us that are on fire for the Lord. We just want to go out there and do work for God for his glory, honor and praise. And it's the testimony of Jesus. And that's what it's all about. And I know God's going to bless. So hang on the line, Spencer. We're going to send you those uh, DVDs as well as the pamphlets and books. And you're going to be super blessed. Hey, let's go to Siobhan in Oklahoma. Uh, Siobhan, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. How can we help you? Well, I um, wanted to know, this is a little hard to ask, what do we do if we miss the rapture? Are there any special instructions? I mean, aside from refusing the mark. You know, I uh, my dad always said, you know, you flee to the mountains, flee to the country, but won't the mountains be moved or destroyed or, you know, do you have any any advice? Uh, don't miss the rapture is my advice. But anyway, <laughs> Mike, I'll hand it over to you. Well, Javon, my heart starts to break a little bit when I heard what you just said. And I, uh, I'm going to ask you a question, but the very first thing to do if you miss it and you realize what happened is to repent and to ask God to forgive you of your sins. Number one is repent. Number two is to spend a lot of time in prayer and try to find a Bible and just wait on the Lord and he will lead you to others that are in the same situation. The reason a person would miss the rapture is that they miss the Lord in their lifetime and he came when they weren't prepared. But there will be people that come to know him after the rapture. Now, my question I want to ask is this. Are you prepared? Yes. Um, my husband and I together have nine children. And, you wow. know, aside from casting any mm. judgment or anything like that, we do have a couple who just downright refuse. You know, they say, I'm sorry, Jesus. You know, every any time there's something going on, I don't just take advantage of an opportunity to try and save them. But I do, you know, I do it outside of just when they're going through trouble, but it's really heavy on our hearts, you know, and you can almost, not that I would forsake my own salvation, but you do, well, you want to go to heaven without your children? You know, I mean, it's just a really, really hard thing. And uh, our hearts hurt for them, but we, my, my husband, he reads the Bible, and in the evenings whenever he's done, he sends them all a message and a big group message, and we have several that love the Lord, and they're so thankful. 
Um, and then there's just a couple who just are like, I'm sorry, that's just not for me. Yeah. I have uh, six children, so I know what you're talking about. But I have 31 grandchildren, 11 of our great-grandchildren. And uh, I try to send messages all the time to them and help them in any way I can, love them. And they're, uh, we just lost one of them a few months ago, an 18-year-old, that uh, a friend gave him a pill, and it was laced with fentanyl, and he killed him instantly. And it was a shock to us because he wasn't a druggie. Uh, he just was the wrong place wrong time and uh, your heart does break now i baptized that boy at 12 and i dedicated him in my arms on a sunday morning service uh, to jesus i talked to him about the lord all the time he's a great kid um, but sometimes they go astray and here's one encouragement that god has given me the thing to do is make it easy for him in love and tell them if we all disappear you will know what it is. It's the rapture. But it doesn't mean that you won't go to heaven. You need to repent. So tell them that's the first thing. Just ask God's forgiveness, and the rest will just unfold to them. But they have to repent. As I found out that scripture in Proverbs, it says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is older, though he departs, he shall return. And it's a heartache to think being a parent to go to heaven without your children. And uh, especially if they're little children, there's a time that the Lord accepts a child to grow up and make a decision. But they'd probably be an older child. Uh, but still, to be your mom, be the dad, it's a heartache. And uh, I bless you and your sister for having such tender hearts towards your children, because children are a big issue right now. They have pressures on them in elementary school, junior high school, high school, college. I watched grandkids go off to school and uh, just become different people when they come back from college and just to love them and love them and love them and pray for them and just make sure they understand you love them. And now you have a concern for their eternal soul. You did your best as a mommy, and I want to encourage you. If I disappear and dad disappears and aunt disappears and all that you know are Christian, that's the rapture. They probably already have heard about it. But just say, repent. Immediately repent, and God will forgive you of your sins. You know, Siobhan, I think you're you're a parent of thousands who have come to Christ, and yet there are many of our children who are now walking in the ways of the Lord. Many of them yeah. do, many of them don't, even though they've been raised properly and they've been taught and trained. Can we just say a quick prayer with you right now and just pray for those yes. that are not? Dear Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and the works, the, the love and the compassion Mike has shared for parents and their love for their children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, Lord. May you just touch these hearts continuously, Lord. May they May they be surrounded by Christians. And hear the gospel message of your love and grace and mercies. May the strongholds of Satan and the lies and deceptions that he has placed upon their hearts be completely removed. So, Lord God, we trust in you. We believe in you. Lord Jesus, we just ask by your holy name that uh, this great work of intercession and by the power of your Holy Spirit, they would come to your salvation before it's too late for their souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Shimon, we love you and our hearts are with you. And um, um, keep praying for them. Keep sharing with them. We all, uh, I think we're probably, many of us are in that same state right now. And so uh, 
Uh, stay on the line. We'll get you those gifts, and we'll want to bless your heart with it. And we'll continue to keep you in prayer across the body of Christ, okay? God bless. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Love you. God bless. Bye-bye. Hey, let's go to Joshua in Reno, Nevada. Joshua. Hi, Pastors. Uh, thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. How can we help you out, my friend? Uh, well, I just, you know, I've been praying my whole life, and um, I know we close our prayers with, um, you know, um, so be it, but I don't know if that's the name of a, a false god, you know, an Egyptian god, and I don't want to be wrong in the eyes of the Lord. I, I do love God, and I just need wanted to get some clarity on that one. Okay, Mike, go right ahead. I lost track of that. I, I didn't understand. Is he talking okay. about saying amen? Yeah, saying amen. He's worried about it. Might be He might be ending it to a false god by using the oh, term okay. amen. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. I, I just didn't hear it clearly. Um, I saw this question rise up about this, and it caught my attention, Paul, uh, I must have the wrong one, uh, Daryl. Was it no the problem. one about – was it Paul? Uh, no, this is – well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll just grab it real quick. Uh, you know, uh, Joshua, we find the term a, amen. Uh, it is means so be it. It means it's, 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 it's done, it's finished, it's in the authority thereof, Jesus yeah. Christ. In fact, Jesus called the is called the amen in the book of Revelation uh, to the church of Laodicea, meaning he's the final authority. And so uh, the word amen is found uh, 77 times throughout the scriptures. And so it's you're not praying to a false god. I just want to comfort you with that and set you straight. Yeah. And so, uh, so don't worry about it. You know, Jesus did yeah. say this much. He says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So we pray in Jesus' name, not in the name of Mary or anybody else. We always... Pray in Jesus' name, and when you say amen, okay, I'm done. I'm finished. So be it. And uh, you're not praying to a false god by any means. Does that help you out, Joshua? It sure does. Yeah. You know, I feel better. And thank you guys again. Hey, you're, you're welcome. welcome. For some reason, Daryl, I lost that, and I see it right now. And that's the simplicity of it, Josh, is that we're actually bringing a close. We're like saying thank you. We're saying goodbye, nice seeing you again. It, but we're, what we're saying is what we just prayed about wasn't to a God. And I'm glad you brought Mary into the issue here, Daryl, because uh, some people may think that, that they're part of uh, uh, some movement they don't know about. It shows me that Joshua has a very sensitive heart. It simply means what we just prayed, may it come to pass, may it be. Amen. I'll, I'll give it an amen as we end the program right now. Mike, it's been a great pleasure being on with you, and uh, may the Lord bless you abundantly. All the folks listening out there, may you be blessed, and uh, we hope uh, to hear from you tomorrow on To Every Man and Answer. God bless you, folks. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226. Or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes Store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. 
to Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 